and and I need people to want to be with me. If you if we're going to work on a solution together, you can't hate being in a room with me. So if every time you say people are frustrated with Republicans, I come after you, um, we're not going to be friends very long. So that, that's my tip. I, I try to keep my eye on the ball all the time, no matter what's around me. What's going on, everybody? You are now listening to Dr. Thomas Rashard Easley. I'm a hip-hop artist, forester, and assistant dean of community and inclusion at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. Welcome to the Heartwood Podcast. Today, we're taking a different spin. We're talking to the leaders, the speakers of the podcast, Political Climate. I'm going to be honest with you. They're already here on other business with Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. But we were fortunate enough to squeeze in a conversation with them to talk about these difficult conversations, talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And even if we can, environmental justice, because we think that some of what we're talking about on our podcast aligns with what they deal with daily. So I want to ask my new friends here if they would introduce themselves uh, to the Hartwood uh, family, please. Hi, I'm Shane Skelton. Um, I started my career on Capitol Hill working for a number of Republican congressmen um, and for the oil industry, actually, at the American Petroleum Institute. Um, I finished my career in Washington working for House Speaker Paul Ryan, and I ran his energy portfolio. I'm Julia Piper. I am a senior editor at Green Tech Media. We cover all things clean energy related, very industry focused. And in that role, I've gone on to have the opportunity to uh, you know, speak at various events, talk to a lot of leaders from policy to business and beyond, um, advocates as well. So that's been an amazing opportunity to learn the space. Before that, I was in Washington, D.C., covering climate and energy policy on Capitol Hill. and got really inside the weeds there on uh, on how, how the Hill works a little bit. Uh, as a Canadian, it was an eye-opening experience, let me tell you. <laughs> Learned what a bill in the hopper means. Um, but uh, anyway, so it's been really exciting. And so now I'm the- Could learn that on Schoolhouse Rocks, <laughs> by the way. But. <laughs> this is how our podcast goes. We just rip on each other. Okay. <laughs> but that's a fair point, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my five-year-old knows. It's uh, great, cool. though. So I'll, 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 I'll just see myself out I now. <laughs> Diversity and inclusion, Shane. Inclusion. Yes. Um, All voices. Putting you on the joke. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, I'll just sum up by saying I get the lovely pleasure of hosting this podcast with uh, with these guys, Political Climate. Ooh. Okay. And I'm Brandon Hurlbut. I uh, was a corporate lawyer involved in politics. I worked for uh, Barack Obama for almost seven years. I was one of the first hires on his campaign spent the first year of his administration in the White House as his liaison to the energy and environment cabinet agencies, went over to the Department of Energy for four years, spent most of that time as chief of staff. Uh, so I was there for the BP oil spill, Fukushima, Solyndra, Hurricane Sandy, all the greatest hits. Um, and then after I left the administration, I started a public policy uh, advisory firm. But what have you really done? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, let me just <clears throat> clear my throat here You're and say welcome. You're getting the tone welcome. of our podcast now. I see. Uh, well, one, thank you for being real. Stand yourselves on this podcast. I, so you all have a lot of fun, I'm going to assume. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, now I've got some resume regrets because I saw them sort of roll out something quite impressive. So that's in the back <laughs> of my head. But we, uh, but, no, but no, we do. We have a lot of fun. Um, I enjoy, you know, every one of these uh, podcasts. And we've actually, you know, I think I can say become pretty good friends off air, too, which has been kind of cool. Um, I spent my time in Washington trying to ruin his life, basically. 
um, and you know put hurdles up in front of everything they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely always believed that they were wrong and that what they were doing was bad for our country. And when you get to know someone and you realize you just see the world differently. No one was mean-spirited. No one was trying to do anything harmful. Um, one might think the outcomes are harmful, but it's been really right. nice like having conversations with him now about things we were both involved in 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely believed they had one perspective on it, and he genuinely believed we had another. And mm-hmm. that just wasn't the case. We just weren't in agreement on the final product. And then you sort of set the messaging machine off. Okay. But, uh, that's been really cool for me as part of this podcast. Good. Yeah, I think it's so critical right now with everything that's happening. I mean, it feels like the country's being torn apart. Um, the partisanship is, is toxic. And so Shane and I, you know, we're friends uh, and we're trying to, we, we disagree on Which is on controversial, kind yeah, of, today. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we're, okay. we disagree on some things. We agree on more than I think that we may have thought when we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're just trying to find some common ground. And I really enjoy his perspective and I learn a lot from him. And, and we're also trying to have some fun while we do it. It's a very serious issue that we take very seriously, but, yes. you know, we're trying to have some fun with it, too. Now, interesting. I just want to jump in, okay, because here in the School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, we definitely, um, I think that we attract a number of people with different views. Maybe when they first get here, I think some may think that they have similar views, but then I think that those differences either slowly or quickly come out. And as you two gentlemen, um, as well as lady, have been able to have this conversation, I want to thank, I want to give Julia a lot of credit, I think the fact that you men can have this conversation is having her in the middle. I think that it might be kind of helpful. I'm just going to put the gender, Julie ask for gender equity out here, please. Yeah. Yeah. Still want to point out that we need gender equity, okay? She's got so about Julia, the IQ thank you of for an elementary school child. <laughs> hey, all, all right. She uh, brought yeah. people together. That's hey, good. There you know, podcast without Julia, because Shane and I could never See. figure out the editing. See, so <laughs> power. So, so thank you. I think that we are also really walking on this, I think, in similar grounds with having this conversation. Now, you said 10 years ago, it was different, and now you're friends now. My question to you is, okay, with everything going on in our world right now, whether I'm talking po- politically or socially or even environmentally, how do we have this quicker so that people can get to this point faster? I honestly think it's about non-policy-related relationships. I mean, when I say that we disagreed on everything, I didn't actually know him. I just wanted the Obama White House to fail, and I wanted to do everything that I could to help make that happen because I thought their policies were negative, but we didn't know each other personally. And when I meet someone and they're a good human being, I can't be dismissive of any of their beliefs or any of their feelings or any of their thoughts. I know them. I like them. I know that their heart's in the right place. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the problem is now we all huddle up with people who agree with us on everything. So we're the good guys and everyone else is the bad guys. And then you make friends with all different, you know, life experience is a huge deal. I might think a certain way because I've only been exposed to that. So I know I'm right, but maybe I'm only right as it relates to my very specific upbringing. And maybe other okay. people have had different life experiences and their positions need to be heard. But if I never spent time with them and got to know them as people, I wouldn't know that. And I think once you have the friendship in place, if you tell me something that I wholeheartedly disagree with, uh-huh. I trust you. I know you're smart and I like you and I want to hear and I want to learn more. And I think those relationships are really important. Relationships. And and just respect from the start point. Because I think it's it's these are tense times and we are all angry about a lot of stuff but to take I think a little more time even as frustrating as it is to take time mm-hmm. just minutes of our days we're in a clickbait society we want answers now we want an, a, a petition to be signed we want a headline to go out 
working in the media, we see how fast it all churns. And even just to take a breath and slow down and go into a conversation in good faith to try and find that common goal, then build up the solution around that, I think is a a rare thing in today's world, especially because we are all so online. We're not taking the time face to face. And that's so hard to do. But when you get face to face with someone, it's hard to just say, I don't want to hear a word you have to say. Uh, it kind of takes down that barrier. And so ironically, taking more time at the outset might help things move faster at the in the end of the day. Taking more time at the outset, okay? I think that's an excellent point. And I think we've talked about this a little bit on our show. You know, we all live in LA now, but all of us lived in DC and things in DC have changed a lot, even over the last 10 years, especially like the last 20 years, where those face-to-face conversations aren't happening. I like rarely interacted with Republicans, you know, when I was when I was in the administration. Um, and I think um, the ability to sort of sit down and, and it's easy to tweet something really negative um, uh, or say something, you know, negative in an interview, but to sit face-to-face and have to hear that person out um, it creates, you know, a different dynamic that I think is really important. And that, and that, there's a lot of things in DC. Whether it comes to fundraising, they're spending more times in their district. Mm-hmm. Whether it's because of leaks and something that can go viral very quickly on Twitter, there's a breakdown in trust. So it's harder to have sort of, you know, candid, off-the-record conversations because people can, you know, uh, tweet that out and change everything. So mm-hmm. I think all of those factors are causing things in DC to be uh, very toxic. And so we're talking about how do we get past that how do we go back Uh to a place where we can have you know civil conversations Mm. now okay so being that this office this podcast we're thinking about diversity equity and inclusion i'm sure you think about diversity of thought okay i got that so my question now is how do you maintain this because i'm gonna i think that this is a safe assumption that this these kind of relationships aren't always smiled upon you know, especially the deeper you get into these issues, especially socially, politically, and environmentally. I'm just going to keep saying those, those words. So how do you do this? Like, now that you've come together and you're doing this, how do you maintain that? Because I think that even in the academy, we still struggle, you know, like with that. If someone has a different view than mine, how do I get across to them? And then, and okay, now we've connected. How do we stay here? When other people, other forces are probably saying, no, 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 uh-uh, he or she is the enemy. I think Brandon would be well served in answering that question. One of the things that I found interesting is that I've never had, you know, I go back to Washington at least, you know, a week, a month and meet with people from, you know, my former colleagues on the Hill to the Trump administration who don't necessarily share all the goals that I have on these podcasts or with my company where we're focused on clean energy and climate issues, okay. but they don't treat me any differently. They, and they, you know, they want to know, Oh, how'd you and Brandon become friendly? And I like, you know, telling them stories or like hanging out with my kids. It's fun. Um, I don't get criticism, but I, but you have, right? You've gotten criticism from the left for being more friendly with me. And I don't know why it's a one way street or maybe that's just our social groups, but so I never... just for convening it. Like you are actively doing a disservice to our, the issues that we work on, but mind you, I'm a communicator. So I really believe that you have to communicate to get anywhere, but to that other person, this is detrimental. Yeah. I think there's a lot of Democrats that have just given up on the Republican party and you know, they have, to you know some valid reasons you know i understand it um i'm trying to push back on that and find the shanes (laughs) and help you know work with them and um figure out how we can move forward together because on your you know uh inclusion and you know diversity 
Well, I think what I've learned in trying to deal with climate change is here's what I know doesn't work. If it's a bunch of white guys in California, New York, we're not going to get there. <laughs> you know, a bunch of white environmentalists in California, New York, we're not going to solve this issue. We yeah. need to broaden that universe to get some Republicans on board, get people of color to get excited about this and want to participate in it. And that means, you know, learning how to do that. I, I learned from Shane what are the messages? What are the ways that you can have this conversation that works for Republicans? I learned from people I work with on Solutions Project about how folks in South Central LA may think differently about this issue than people in Silicon Valley. And so that's you know, been very helpful to me and I wanna to continue to, you know, to grow that. Yeah, I think, like I was saying earlier, the key to this is coming at it in good faith. Both parties need to do that. You don't have to fall on a sword to have these conversations. The first piece is that both parties should be willing to talk. And so you, uh, both parties deserve that respect at the outset. So if someone's challenging you in a way that's unfair, I don't know that you have to sit down with them immediately. Hopefully you get to that point. But yeah, once you're there, you can find more common ground. And then, yeah, the ecosystem just starts to broaden. And we'll talk about it more in our podcast that we have coming up, but just the environmental movement starting to broaden. It's not just about... Uh, you know, buying some carbon offsets for that flight to Europe. It's like, how do you get electric vehicle taxi programs for farm workers? It's about jobs. It's about health care. And I think we're getting a little wiser to what this movement really means. But it's actually still early days for that. Well, and, and I think, you know, what you touched on on the diversity side is critically important. I think we talked earlier when we were off, Mike, about how do you listen to different people with different experiences and find out what's affecting them. So I suspect in some urban areas where the air quality is so bad that their children are actually getting asthma at a significantly higher rate because they're near a power plant or whatever than children outside of that community, they don't really care that some tech billionaire has two Teslas instead of a car that emits. What they care about is that their kids can breathe safe air and drink safe water. So, you know, what I like to do, no matter who I'm talking to, is find out what issues are bothering you because it might not be climate change. It might be smog. But there are solutions that actually can solve both at the same time. But you can't go into an area where people are struggling to pay bills and say, you know what you should do? You should buy a Tesla because that would make your kids air healthier. That's not helpful to them. You have to understand what challenges are you facing, um, how is it impacting you, and how can we help? And that is really you know, sort of the interesting part of policymaking, in my view. Um, and that's, you know, that needs to be part of the conversation. It can't be a former, you know, Republican staffer and a former Democratic staffer sharing political disagreements, but also there are just different people with different life experiences who need to be heard because your solutions have to address their problems. Even when it's hard, because we were at the Global Climate Action Summit in San Francisco in September, and there were people protesting outside this climate conference, and it was kind of controversial that this, this conference was trying to do a lot to you know, raise awareness and, and build momentum around climate policy, and yet people were protesting, saying it wasn't doing enough, and disparaging and criticizing um, Governor Jerry Brown of California, saying he wasn't doing enough. And these are largely indigenous populations, tribes. Why are they protesting? Because no one's including them. No, one, no one's asking the question that Shane did, how can we help you, or what do you need? We're just getting to the point where we're evolving beyond some of the immediate solutions that also, mind you, made money, things like solar and wind. And now we're starting to say, well, what do you need not to have your water polluted? Because that may not be a money-making enterprise right off the bat either. So you, the, the movement itself is having, I think, to learn to have those tougher conversations. Even when they feel challenged, people might say, in the environmental movement, I'm already doing everything I can. 
Well, it's like, but did you really? Did you reach out to that person uh, in the next state over who's protesting outside? You may be offended by them, but they got something to say, and that was their only way of communicating with you. So those conversations are hard but necessary. And, you know, a lot of the pushback I get for doing this, you know, and I think a lot of the anger with uh, Republicans is on race right now. I mean, with what Trump is, you know, doing, it has, I think, um, made things a lot more difficult uh, to have to, to work together right now. Okay. Well, well, let me ask you this, uh, and um, I guess that we kind of maybe kind of bring it to a close. I want to because we just talked about a number of things from environment, and then you just went into race, Brandon. Recognizing that environmental justice is really, I think, that it's a subject that's growing. These are not two buzzwords. You know, we've had this issue since the 70s, 1982 in North Carolina, and then we can keep it going. I want to ask you a question by going back to something that you two did that I noticed, and I want to ask that with regard to environmental justice. When you started talking about Republicans, you made a statement about, you were like, yeah, some people have given up on Republicans. You said for, for good reason. However, when you said it, you didn't budge. You didn't shift. And my question, to me, that tension, that gray area, to me, like, how do we get people to stay there when truths are, or some, or maybe others' truths are being said, but when you say things that may be uncomfortable to hear, like, how did you all still do that? Because to me, when we're talking about environmental justice and we're dealing with these injustices, if we don't get to that point of having this, these conversations, sea level's going to continue rising. They're already calling for more than 20 centimeters before 2040. They're already calling for that. We don't have time. South Africa was in drought last year. We don't have time. What happened there? LAFC football games. Uh, they both have tickets and forged a common bond. Sorry to jump in there. The, um, <laughs> no, thank you. I honestly think that I, and not that Brandon was trying to do this, but I never in any conversation let myself get baited, ever. I'm never going to be def- a defender of you know the Trump administration writ large. I'm hyper-focused on what I'm trying to accomplish, and I don't want to do anything to give you any reason not to work with me on that. So I, um, we had this conversation at Sun Valley Forum, and a couple of the audience members came up to me afterwards and said, I couldn't believe how disciplined you were while being mocked by three colleagues. I said, what, what good does it do me to say anything back? Try to be funny, diffuse, you know, and, and make it fun. And, and I need people to want to be with me. If you... if we're going to work on a solution together, you can't hate being in a room with me. So if every time you say people are frustrated with Republicans, I come after you, um, we're not going to be friends very long. So that, that's my tip. I, I try to keep my eye on the ball all the time, no matter what's around me. Okay. And we've talked about this before on, on the podcast. I, you know, I struggle with, um, with the bipartisan piece. You know, there are part, parts of me that feel uh, like the Republican Party you know, has been hijacked and uh, is not a responsible party. Um, and, but I, I think in order to solve this, we need to do it. Uh, it would be better, more ideal to do it in a bipartisan way. Shane, Shane's made some great points about why it would be more durable, and I agree with him. And so what I, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was, you know, sitting and talking to my progressive friends about all of this, um, I wasn't going to find those answers. And so by having this conversation with Shane, with somebody that I, you know, respect, um, I, I learn from, it's helping me sort of sort through all of this. And we're coming to conclusions in like real time. I don't have all the answers, you know. And so talking with Julie and Shane, you know, really informed sort of my, how I'm thinking about this. And 
uh, I think at the end of the season that we have, we'll probably have some conclusions about the first season, especially after the elections and see what yeah, it if all we're means. friends still. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's been an experiment. It has, this has been an experiment just to see if in this polarized day and age, this conversation would succeed. And we are in real time feeling that out. And so far so good. I think because we had that common respect for each other regardless. Well, yeah. And, and I think, you know, Brandon hit on this and I think it's important. The respect part's huge, right? I respect Brandon. I admire a lot of what he's accomplished. I've never worked in an administration. So I love learning from him about how that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you know, I assume, tell me if I'm wrong. I really think both of these people want the best for me. I don't think they have any ill will towards me. So even if I completely disagree with what they're saying, I know it's not coming from a place of let's just make him unhappy right now. So I just want to listen and find out what it is. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, can I ask you, is there anything from my brief questions that I asked you? And and thank you for your time and being on our podcast. Anything that you would want to add as we close it out? I would add just that elections are very uncomfortable. And no matter what anyone is thinking right now, one week from tomorrow, they're going to be feeling differently in some, whether it's joy, whether it's, you know, elation, whether it's depression, whether it's anger. Um, But that, in my view, is when it's most important to focus and try to be friendly and civil. Uh, And my side is probably going to be on the losing end of this. So I'm not saying that as a, as a, a to be victor, but I think it is so easy to let the politics of the moment frustrate things that you've spent so much of your time and so much of your life working on. And I just really, really hope we all get to a point where we can sort of separate those two conversations. And the elections are, I mean, they're they are a process and they very much matter. But what's been interesting is that through the election process, all these other issues have come out. And it's it's icky. Like after the election's over and done with, diversity and inclusion will be a hot topic still. The election does not solve that. And so you have to continue these conversations and it's an LA phrase maybe, but you know, hold space for people. If you want to actively solve this stuff, I think you have to be strong and be a leader and be willing to take the time and effort to continue the conversations long after election day and there's no fundraising involved and keep the momentum. These conversations are as hard as all heck, but at least we're having them. I think people should challenge themselves to do that. Break out of your bubble. You know, I mean, Shane, I give him a lot of credit. We were joking around earlier. You know, he comes on this show every week, and, uh, you know, Julia is a journalist, but it's <laughs> it's not, you know, as he noted, uh, it may not be a, a totally fair fight all the time. So he comes on and uh, is willing to, um, you know, discuss this with us. Our, our audience is, is mostly, I think, uh, as Julia says, it's mostly, you know, Democratic. So... For Shane to come on and, and have this discussion with us every week, I think, you know, I really respect that. And so um, I'm looking forward to many more conversations with the team, especially after the elections. You know, we'll see we'll see what happens. And I think both parties are changing a lot right now. And we will see where they where they go. And we need to learn too. I mean, that's why we're excited to be here, like talking to people who are learning the newest science and latest disciplines, like we need to always keep refining the tools and like making sure what we're saying resonates with people. Like it's a constant learning process. No one has this figured out. So please engage with us is all I would say. And and managing, one last thing I said, managing the medium, right? Like sitting right here, no matter what you say, I'm not going to respond. And I then got, I get Twitter hate mail after we record. And so I was getting some uh, last week and I was filling up my car with gas. I was kind of bored. I'm like, you know what? F this guy. And I started like typing it up and I was like, that's not gas. Of course, should have an electric deleted it. And I went and clicked on his profile and I found that he was a veteran. 
And so instead of responding with anything, I just said, you know what? Thank you so much for your service. I know you don't agree with me, but your sacrifice gives me the right to say these things. And that's great. And now whether he appreciates that or not, I don't know. But I realize it's not like me to say mean things, but I felt more able to do it because you couldn't see me. And that, that I don't want to get there. And if I'm willing to go there, I try to be pretty undisciplined. I, I think a lot of people are. So try to have conversations in person to the extent you can with people who disagree with you because online is not the safest forum for these things. Right. Well, look. Thank you all again, Brandon, Julia, Shane. Y'all are amazing. Plus, y'all are exemplars of how we are to do this. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for showing us of how to manage yourself and, and keep that in mind. So then that makes you, uh, I guess, to stay, it, it helps you to stay engaged in the, in the conversation that has a lot of momentum and they can be tough. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. Hartwood, tune into Political Climate because they are bringing it, y'all. I mean, hey, I want to thank them for coming here to yell FES. And I also want to, uh, this is Thomas Rashad Easley. Got my man Chris Perkins in the back helping. Let's keep it in check. Thank you so much, everybody. Till next time. Hartwood. Hartwood is recorded at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies in New Haven, Connecticut. Hosted by Dr. Thomas Richard Easley and produced and edited by Mr. Chris Perkins. We'll see you next week.